1: There's not a curse that's been put on by any of my family members, that I know, or else there would be a few more people in trouble, you know, but um, no, we've, we've, got, we've got nothing to do with curses, and, uh, um, and so that, uh, if there's a curse here, it's, uh, it's not, not because of us, and uh, let's just say it's gone now if there has ever been one, okay? Hello and welcome to another 2023 bonus off-season episode. You are listening to Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football fan podcast and a proud member of the Herd at Sports Network. My name is Drew. We are celebrating the broken curse and the spring game and I am joined here with my good friend, co-host Ben.
0: Thanks, Drew. And thank you everybody for joining us. During the Nebraska football season, Drew and I profile craft breweries, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. I don't know
1: why I I stopped. (laughs) I think it's because I wasn't
0: listening. You were just so... Just just
1: engaged with what I was saying. Yes, yeah. Take it away, Drew! (laughs) (laughs) And in the off-season, we pretty much do that, too. But with slightly less regularity. Pause. (laughs) We encourage you to follow us on Twitter,
0: Facebook, or Instagram... ...at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information... And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com.
1: On today's episode, Ben and I will give our thoughts on the twenty twenty-three spring game while sampling libations from Brickway Brewery and Distillery in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm Drew. And I'm Ben, and this is Wannabe walk <laughs>
0: we were going to be able to talk about the curse being over but now we get to tell people hey we record these intros every <laughs> single episode and so that uh, that regularity that we typically have is now an irregularity and you know what? I think yeah that's that
1: what wasn't we... a great start that's the that's the stuff that we do over and over again and i can't even get that right that's, i will say though that's the ball security of podcasting yeah. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> just read <laughs> the, the fucking time. script that was a big time fumble it's because i am it's because I was responding to something you said, but I don't... I honestly don't listen to what you're saying in the (laughs) 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 intro. Right? I don't. I just... Yeah. I just say what's on the
0: page. Get fucked, San Diego. (laughs) 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 Well, Drew what What did you think getting us back on track? What did you think about the way that Frank Solich was handled all week and and taken care of by the university? I think that's a yeah. great jumping off point for this this whole spring week.
1: yeah, yeah, that was that was really cool. I think they gave him um his due credit, his due justice for finally coming back and and um and you really saw why he felt like it was the right time. His family probably felt like it was the right time for him to return. um you know, Trev Alberts and Matt. Uh, and Coach Rule, they, they, your first name basis already. Yeah, yeah, I know, I had to change that. We all knew yeah. who you met, that's the best part, is it's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, that guy. Um, no, I think they, I think they really did take, take really good care of him. Um, obviously the first play with the, the fullback trap and, and getting him the ball. you misty eyed when that happened? Because I sure did. It was beautiful, yeah. It was so nice. I had a bit of a bonner watching I it, <laughs> So that's um, good that yeah, was you like play. that one
0: yeah i had a i had a margarita made a margarita and sat down to watch the game i was on a little delay because of soccer yeah uh, and so sat down had a margarita in hand that started going that first thing happened and matt rule hustling out there getting the ball hustling back and i just i was
1: like i had to turn to my wife and be like do you know what just happened yeah <laughs> <laughs> do you know what's going on i like the uh the the 45s painted on the field too and yeah that, yeah they should use that whatever that old font. Yeah. And with uh, highlighted in red, beautiful. really yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. That
0: was really nice. All the touches. I loved uh, Frank Solich's press conference uh, earlier on in the week where he, yeah. he, he had nothing to say. And I think that's what was so beautiful <laughs> is we just wanted to listen to coach. We just wanted him to feel welcome and he- mm-hmm. hearing him say like, I bought a house in Boise and it's the best <laughs> yeah. financial decision I've made in a long time. And it's like, tell us more. And he's like, well, my son comes over and fixes things when they're broken. Tell us more. <laughs> yeah. I don't make it back to Lincoln often. Tell us more. Like, it's just this. This like ongoing conversation where it just felt comfortable. It felt you know like we could finally exhale on all of our misdoings, and obviously Herbie, you know, coming out as well. uh That oh, yeah. was announced right before our episode aired last week, but we hadn't had a chance to chat about it. How are you feeling about about new Herbie?
1: Um, I you know honestly, I'm indifferent. To be honest, I know it's a big deal for a lot of people, but it's it's a mascot. I mean, it's cool, I guess, because it's yeah, big. it's the Herbie that you know, like. He's on all the other logos like that like I don't yeah. like there's yeah, yeah, yeah. very few of the new now old herbie sure the brunette Herbie I don't know what you call him I, I was he called herbie
0: was that was that herbie yeah he wasn't like Harry Husker. Maybe,
1: oh, maybe I don't... Yeah, maybe it's Harry. Was it a cousin? I don't, I don't know. know who the fuck this dude was. He showed up.
0: He hung out for a while. We, we kicked him out. We need uh, to apologize to Kathy. We have been blowing up. Last episode, we were really good. I don't think we swore a whole lot last episode. This week, we are, we are on a tear. Yeah. And we are Matt Rule yelling at the sideline after a fumble <laughs> on a tear. Can you imagine if... You probably would have had an opinion if uh, when they revealed the new Herbie mascot, he was just an inflatable. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of being like this nice felted... Uh, mascot itself they wheel out and he's next a little red and it's like two just gargantuan he's got inflatable (laughs) yellow hair he looks like one of the one of the beavers from angry beavers just with that (laughs) spiky hair coming out and it's totally inflated oh man yeah so a good week overall for nebraska i think it was a
1: really it was a good showing it was a it was
0: a very tradition focused without being uh too reverse looking i feel like right we weren't looking into the past we were celebrating what happened but also saying like we're going to use this as a foundation to move forward as opposed to like, we have to get back to that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I th-
1: Rules talked about that a lot. Yeah. It was another nod at like, again, like everybody just being kind of one being together again. So yeah, he's fine. He's talked,
0: I, th- I think a few times about talking, you know, I have conversations with Osborne and I have conversations with Solich and, and Trev because I want to know how they won here so that he can have some of those pieces of the puzzle in place. But also he brings, an amazing amount of experience with what he did at temple and Baylor and other stops. And Carolina is going to be another stop that, you know, they're going to continue building off what he built there. They could potentially be a playoff team from some of the NFL insiders thinking of the foundation he's built. And I know Carolina fans are probably like, fuck Matt Rule, we don't really care what he built. It was garbage, but you started to see this momentum where it all came together. And so I think him recognizing the past, but not being solely focused on the past, uh, is a really nice balance that you need here at Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you say? We talk about some alcohol. Okay. That's kind of what it. we do, right? Yeah. So today we're going to focus on Brickway, a distillery and a brewery, and we're going to switch things up. And this is primarily because of my new uh, hyper fixation of cocktail making. <laughs> we're going to talk about Brickway's uh, distillery just as much as their brewery. And we've got some drinks, uh, some whiskey drinks that we've put together for us. But first, I got a little introduction to Brickway. You've had Brickway oh, yeah.
1: Yes, plenty, plenty.
0: I'm a big fan of their Blackout Stout. That's one that I always like to to go after when we're at uh, beer festivals. Oh it's, yeah, it's that, <laughs> it's properly named. Yeah, for sure. Was it seventeen percent? I believe it's is, way is up, is up where there. so 18, yeah. Well, I don't have so much of a, of a typical profile. I've got a little brief intro, but I thought there were some also really neat facts about Brickway that I just couldn't make into a narrative. <laughs> uh, if if I'm being brutally honest here, that's
1: cool. You were coaching soccer. You're allowed to like. Hunt I I, on some I do
0: this before. The day before we record like this, I work on this during the week.
1: I don't know if you, do you know that? Oh, no, I do all of my stuff like an, <laughs> on the ou- drive an hour before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, so Omaha's Brickway Brewery and Distillery is owned and operated by Zach Trimert. Zach is a Minnesota native and holds a microbiology degree. He came to Omaha after graduating college to work for a local ag company. Prior to Brickway, Zach worked as a brewer for Upstream Brewing, uh, which is a whiskey stone's throw from brickway itself. There's a lot of brewers actually in the Nebraska area that cut their teeth at upstream as far as like the commercial brewing goes. So they're kind of like a, I wouldn't say a farm team because they also make great beer and they do a lot of neat stuff with their aging and and things like that as well. Uh, But it's always neat to see kind of where people meld off from, like where do they fall off from. In his mid-20s, Zach's father passed away. For Christmas that year, six weeks after his father's passing, Zach gifted his family two beers that he brewed named Jerry's Pale Ale. It led Zach to understanding that every drink should hold the ability to elevate any occasion, whether you are celebrating, commiserating, or commemorating, sometimes going as far as to do all three. They really take this to heart. All of their branding is going to have those three words on there, celebrating, commiserating, commemorating, because they really want the spirits to do what we like them to do, you know, bring people together, be a cause for celebration, for gathering, for that feel where you're just connected. You yeah. know, it can be kind of that, that into those types of... Uh, Conversation situations, you name it. So, that is the inspiration behind every beverage they put out into the world. So, here's some other awesome facts to note about Brickway. Zach actually wrote the legislation legalizing distilleries in the state of Nebraska. Now, that's not hyperbole. He researched and wrote the actual legislation that went into effect that allowed distilling. In 2007, he called around to state senators and eventually led the campaign to pass the bill making Brickway and a host of other Nebraska distilleries legal. Uh, during the peak of the coronavirus, Brickway pivoted away from spirits and distilled hand sanitizer. They sold and donated hundreds of gallons of hand sanity. They had the sanitizer on tap and would give people up to a half gallon for free on bring your own container days. So, well, yeah, again, this is this is that community outreach thing, right? He's he's helping the other distilleries in the state. He's he's creating this new facet for people to create in Nebraska. He's helping people during the novel coronavirus um, he holds a master's in brewing and distilling at Heriot Watt University from Edinburgh, Scotland. They know a thing or two about making whiskey. Just a little bit, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Brickway is Nebraska's largest distillery, selling almost 90,000 bottles of their spirits annually, which is just an insane number of, of bottles, especially yeah. for like a, a hyper-local distillery. Today, you can find a full lineup of beer, whiskey, vodka, gin, seltzers, and more, all made locally with local ingredients, both at Brickway and at retailers across the state. So I didn't know a lot of those things about Brickway. That's
1: incredible. I, yeah, yeah, I didn't know, yeah. They've, Zach they've, sounds like a, a phenomenal human being. Yeah. Just intelligent, mm-hmm. um, driven, passionate. And
0: he's very well-respected
1: for the kind of
0: craft uh, whiskeys he makes. That's that's mm-hmm. kind of his, like, hyper-fixation. Again, if we're talking about hyper-fixations and I like making craft Cocktails, he likes making the stuff that makes this taste good. Yeah. You know, Um, and and he's been reviewed by guys all across the country and around the world, and they really, really highlight the whiskeys that he's putting out, especially for a place like Nebraska. Who's We've got an interesting climate, the way that whiskey is made and aged. Uh, It's not always ideal. So there's, there's really a heavy hand in there in making that all work based on all of the factors that go into it, from the water to the barrels to the ingredients and everything like that. So it really tells you the kind of dedication he has to this craft and to this art. To bring it forward. So we are drinking uh, a drink that is a riff on a Kentucky mule, but we can't call it a Kentucky mule because it's not made with a Kentucky bourbon. It's made with an Omaha bourbon. And so we're going to call this the the horseman's park. A oh, little okay. nod. Yeah. The original name was the council tucky mule, <laughs> but I didn't want to offend Zach by naming it after a, you know.
1: A council tucky. Yeah. yeah. A council tucky. Yeah. So
0: this is uh, two ounces of Brickway bourbon, uh, three quarters of an ounce of lime, uh, topped and floated with some ginger beer and then
1: some, uh, some slapped mint to wake that mint up. spanked it. I watched you do it. (laughs) It did. It woke it up and it, it creates. So like the aroma of the, the mint with the, with the lime and the spice on that ginger is great. Um, it's just a smooth, smooth, easy to drink. Yeah. Yeah. Refreshing. Yeah, average.
0: and the, the bourbon adds kind of like a caramelly sweetness that you're getting. There's no there's no simple syrup. There's no sugar. There's nothing like that that's been added to this other than the, than the ginger beer. And typically in cocktails, you add sweetener to kind of round everything out. But this has a really nice just typical bourbon flavor that just lends itself really well to that ginger. And then the lime and the, the mint is just that freshness you need to kind of wake everything up and yeah. and pull everything into balance. And I got to say, you, you uh, crushed the hell out of this ice. That we put in here.
1: Thanks. I'd swing a mighty hammer. You I did, am the yeah.
0: Thor of ice crushers. Yep. So we, we played a little nod to the uh, the mint julep as well in the kind of ice we did. So it's a slush ice that you might find in some tiki drinks or just a, a nice crushed ice. And Drew, man, uh, I'm I'm just impressed. You know, yeah. those biceps are paying off. <laughs> it's right. actually it's probably more so the forearm and wrist Dying. action. But we don't want to <laughs> talk. We don't need
1: to. <laughs> we don't need to get into that. Let's just say I've been doing a really good job in spring training. So. <laughs>
0: Just a master of swinging (laughs) the hammer, man. Take the compliment. Hey. All right. Well, let's dive in. Let's talk about the spring game. We're going to start by talking about overall thoughts, and then we'll go to defense, and then after that, we'll go special teams and offense after a brief break and another drink. How's that sound?
1: Cool. Cool. I like
0: it. So overall thoughts. You know, we talked a little bit about about Frank and and how that went, but what were some other big thoughts uh, on the field?
1: Um, Well, let's get the... Can we get the negative out of the way first with the... Let's chat turnovers because that I think is at the forefront um, of certainly the team's mind. I think uh, a yep. lot of them talked yep. about it after the game. Uh, it was it made for a sloppy sort of viewing. And it made it hard to um, I think judge a lot of guys or get a lot of guys reps. And you know that they they adjusted the special teams in order to try to balance stuff back out because of turnovers. Like it just it was a little bit of a wrench in the plans. Sure, um, and it and I think the. The thing that stands out most is that they talked about it ahead of time, ball security being a point of emphasis. And so you wonder, did that talk come from like it being a problem in spring practice and then us seeing it Mm -hmm. live in the game? Or was it just maybe like a little bit of coach speak, like, hey, we really want to protect the ball because obviously you want to protect the ball in any game. Um, And then seeing the guys just not live up to that expectation. Yeah. Um, so that was, I don't know, that was obviously a, uh, a big thing for me was just the, the turnovers and the sloppy play on offense. Yeah. You know, I guess on a, on a positive note,
0: I'd rather see that now than in the fall. Sure. I'd rather have it be a point of emphasis. And it's not one of those things that you can say, oh, you know, you're going to have one or two fumbles and turnovers in a game. That's just how the game of football works. You want to get them out of the way early and, and, you know, move on, not have them cost you late, stuff like that. But I'd rather than be kind of this glaring problem where it's like, there might be an overemphasis. And we know that the way that Nebraska has played in the past, we know the way that Big Ten games shake out, ball security is how you win or lose games late. I mean, it really comes down to who's got the ball last in a lot of Big Ten games, and the person with the ball last tends to walk away with the W. So I'm okay with seeing that now because Mm -hmm. I know that Matt Rule's not going to let that slide. Yeah. You know, we know we've got the kind of coach who they're probably going to have to carry around uh, footballs like that project you did in eighth grade with a, a pack of flour pretending it's a baby. You're not going to let those things go uh, for all of them. They're going to be doing deadlifts with a football underneath an arm, uh, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. That's safe. Probably. Yeah. I yeah. don't know anything don't about know. strength and conditioning, but <laughs> but I'm pretty <laughs> confident there. <laughs>
1: Oh, and 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 they said no excuses after the game, but there are there were a lot of reasons that you could point to with yeah. rotating guys, quarterbacks, oh, centers. I was gonna say Phelan Sanford backs. is a reason. There's turnovers. <laughs> yeah, like, he came in and fucking pun- is, he's
0: all peanut puncher. He he is a ball popper. Yep. he has interceptions to yep. his name in the spring game. He was everywhere, all over the field. Oh yeah, not to jump right to defense, but like no, all right. there were some good plays and there were some also just like boneheaded you know running backs running into the quarterback or bad snaps or all these things that we're like really are we really seeing bad snaps right now like
1: yeah come on yeah please. but again those are you got you did have guys p- playing center throughout the game that aren't familiar with the position who are just filling in because guys are um, you know dinged up or limited reps or whatever so um, so yeah so you can you can hang a lot of those on the fact that it was just odd situations. But you also have to keep in mind, you're going to bump into that throughout the season. You're going to have yeah. stuff pop up in games that's unexpected. Um, and you can't let it snowball into a turnover or lost points. So. Yeah. I, I
0: would say that the other kind of my justification as I
1: was re watching,
0: I watched it uh, this morning as well. Um, just the highlights, which wound up, I found the highlights and it wound up being the entire game, uh, just <laughs> cut down to an hour, which is great. You know, oh, you're just, nice. you're just yeah. seeing everything. Uh, play through, but I have to imagine that some of that ball security also comes from a new offense being instilled, and you're trying to yeah. make sure you're executing the X's and O's, and so that becomes secondary, right? Like this is kind of the final dress or the preview before the show opens in the fall. This is the last thing that the the, the fan base is going to see before we get to see real football happening. So you want to you know show out. You want to make a great impression, and so you're focused maybe more so on on. Uh, Forgetting that this is a practice and forgetting that this is something where, like, I'd rather hold on to the ball than make a mistake in the play. Whereas they're like, I'd rather drop the ball in, as opposed to being in the wrong spot or something like that. So I kind of chalk some of that up, too, to just learning. And, and this is a new offense. This is a very disruptive defense uh, that we're seeing out there. And so there's probably just a lot going on in the mind of, like, the pre-checks and everything like that for having to set up properly in, in yeah. what's going on here. Um, so, yeah, I can I can make some... Some concessions on like it's okay, um, but really my my main point is like I'd rather it be now. I'd rather this be what we're talking about after the spring game and have it be a point of contention or a point of focus,
1: um, and have Matt Rule work on it in the summer and in the fall. Yeah. yeah. Well, what um, was what were some of the positives that you could take away from the offense? From the offense? Yeah. So we're just going to talk about offense now. Well, yeah. We let's. I don't, don't want to follow s- shit I wanna, when it comes to these. I don't listen to anything <laughs> you say. Well, because I feel like we just r- ragged on. Um, Yeah,
0: okay, so we'll switch it up. We'll talk defense in the second half of the episode. Let's talk about offense.
1: Were we supposed to do it differently? Yeah, I mean, I literally just said you want to talk about
0: overall, you want to talk about defense.
1: Yeah, I'm straight up ignoring that. It's okay. We'll talk about offense. I don't feel like shuffling my papers. (laughs) Got offense on top right here.
0: Look, before we jump into talking about offense, there is one overall thought that I do have. Okay. And that is a 114 t-shirt cannon that shoots 10. (laughs) In 10 (laughs) seconds, it (laughs) unloads. Like... Yeah. A literal bushel of t-shirts
1: <laughs> into the crowd. That thing was insane. That was. Could that. You, I I would I would have been much happier to see Fairbury's. Firing yeah, you out know, there, that, so that's actually kind of
0: like a, a, a point of contention online, right? Was it t-shirts oh, really? or was it hot dogs? And so okay. you'd see, see people posting on like Twitter like, oh, look at the new t-shirt cannon. And they're like, no, it's hot dogs. And people would be like, look at the new hot dog cannon. And they're like, no, it's t-shirts. The official Nebraska account said it is a t-shirt cannon. Right launches 114 t-shirts in 10 seconds yeah which is just amazing those are some crazy specs i also learned that so many people know what a gatling gun is because everyone's Uh like we've got a t-shirt gatling gun and Uh, i don't a double yeah and i don't question you know the the um the intelligence of of the general audience and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. uh i was just surprised that everyone knows their civil war era (laughs) machine gun technology (laughs) i would argue that it's a tommy gun it's a double Tommy. It's not so much a Gatling gun because a Gatling gun is a, is a crank. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we don't need to argue semantics here when it comes <laughs> to the, the types of firearms that are being used to launch T-shirts that are pulled behind a John Deere tractor. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. I, I like is my favorite part of the spring game <laughs> was, was was just the moment where you're like, we did it. God damn it, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know we were trying to do it, but we did it.
1: Yeah, well, I want to know whose idea that was. That's got to be someone in the engineering department. Like, you know, we could like, shoot more t-shirts. Yeah, yeah, we could fire. You want to do more than one at a time? Because we can multiply it by 114.
0: No, no, we can bring out the spirit squad, and they can each take a handful of t-shirts, and then, you know, the 20 of them can... Th- no, 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 no.
1: <laughs> I'm not talking 20 at a
0: time. What if, what if we launched 100 at a time, and we had to pull it behind a tractor, and we had a trailer... And Herbie could fire it. <laughs> It'd be like the movie Wild Wild West, where they're just like using machinery that shouldn't be used for the time <laughs> period. Like it, Herbie's, the new Herbie's living in the year three thousand. Let's just let's just lay it out he there. Is, yeah. So okay, offense.
1: All right, back on track. On back my track.
0: On. <laughs> 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 let me just let me just <laughs> crinkle that plan up and throw it out of there. Um, offense. Okay, so let's see. What did I enjoy about the offense? I'm going to I'm gonna throw an individual out that I thought performed really well yesterday and uh, could have easily packed his bags and moved on, and that was Chuba Purdy. I thought Purdy had a really great spring game. I don't think the wide receivers helped him out a ton with some of the, the passes he had, but he was making smart decisions. He had a nice scramble. He had a good throwaway when he was being trailed. So it looks like he's really been working on some of the things that maybe we gave a lot of feedback on last year. And I don't mean me that he's listening to our podcast, but just the general things that he needed to work on, which was his decision-making and um, it's improved. And in that defense, the way that it scrambles a quarterback and and throws a bunch of different looks, he really seems to have been doing his homework. And I thought that behind Jeff Sims, he was the best quarterback we had yesterday. Um, Which when you look at the way that this competition is going to shake out for quarterback, I was really impressed. I was really impressed that he stuck it out and continued to work and fight, especially being one of Whipple's guys that Whipple brought in to learn a new offense it seems to fit him really well and I thought that they called a a good a good game plan for him when he came into the game to give him some comfortable throws uh, but also give him the ability to make a play with his feet if it happened and the offensive line allowed for that too you know they gave him some some decent pass protection Um, and and so that was nice to see so that's gonna be my first positive that I thought Chubba Purdy had a great spring practice and and I don't know that it's going to be talked about a whole lot because Jeff Sims also had a really great spring game uh, but when you look at those secondary quarterbacks that are going to be battling for a backup spot or the the third string spot, uh, I thought he showed out.
1: Oh yeah, he's definitely um, he's in contention and and he's playing with second string line, second string receivers. Um, but yeah, you're right. He did make a lot of good decisions. Um, and and Coach Satterfield uh, has talked about you know tailoring his play calling, his offense, um, everything to the the quarterback, what the quarterback's comfortable with. Um, Jeff Sims mentioned it after, after the game in his press conference, that first pass to Kircher was, he said, is his favorite play. It's the one he's most comfortable with coach Satterfield called it because he knew, okay, we're going to settle this guy in. And so you imagine he did that for all the quarterbacks. And so, um, he's a guy that's got his thumb on the pulse of, of everything, um, going on in their heads and and what they're comfortable with and good at. And he's going to, he's going to do what he needs to do to help make them be successful. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a that's a great observation. Um, you're right. Jeff Sims does cast a very long shadow over over these other quarterbacks in terms of how he performed yesterday um, in terms of just, you know, the the hype and the talk that he's getting. Um, I don't think it's unwarranted. I think no. I think everybody else is battling for those spots behind him and Casey Thompson. Yeah. Um, But it's good to see guys that, that do stick it out guys that, that are transferring from one major program to another who who come in with the expectation to contend for the number one job who find themselves still in the back seat but who continue to battle um, to to improve themselves to, to uh, you know try to improve the team yeah so
0: I, I think that the quarterback battle is something that we should talk about yeah and and I think coming off of the spring game, I'm very excited for how this shakes out in the fall. Because I feel like we have two starting quarterbacks. Yes. Right? We're in a situation now where we haven't been in a while where if one of those guys were to go down, the second option is just as good. It's not a question of, like, there's going to be a fall off. It's a, we got two guys who could start. And the question is, who are we going to go with? And that actually tells me a little bit about what we think about the opposing defense, how we can expose them. And I know there's an old saying where if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. but the way that Satterfield does like to call games and the way that he changed up with each quarterback coming in and whether he was the one calling or if it was assistance and they each had their own game plans, whatever it happens to be for how the practice went down yesterday. I think that Jeff Sims versus Casey Thompson, Jeff adds that uh, that dynamicness with his legs, reminds me more of like a Josh Allen where he can make plays with his legs, but he can also just flick the wrist and get the ball down there. Uh, he's, he's definitely a passing quarterback. He just has this large body and this large frame and when he gets out in space, he can say happy birthday to the ground to some defenders and just get them out of the way. Yeah. You know, he's he's got that big – he made a similar to move to what Gabe Irvin did. and Gabe Irvin's no small guy, you right. know. yeah. So um, I, I, I like what he adds dimensionally as a runner. I like his decision-making and his ability to escape. We saw last year that Casey Thompson also has that ability to escape, and then he turns his eyes downfield. It looks like Jeff Sims is a guy who can do both, right? He knows he can make the play with his legs – but he does keep his eyes downfield as well. So I think there's some neat things that he would bring, uh, some dynamicness that he would bring to the, to the field and Casey's accuracy, which is a little bit higher than Jeff Sims uh, historically. You know, so there's just going to be this, what kind of offense do we feel is going to be our best success moving into Minnesota, moving into Colorado? And that kind of quarterback is, is really going to be who leads the way. It's not going to so much be one guy beat out the other. It's how does this team perform best? And, and the fact that it's a, maybe a team decision uh excites me as well that we're not relying on one guy to be the star to be the playmaker We're relying on the team gelling behind One styles player or another
1: yeah, that's a really good point not not putting all your eggs in the basket of your quarterback um, which we've seen ha- has happened in the past and just the the damage that that can cause not only to the body of the quarterback um to the to the performance of the team overall and the results so Um, it it will be really exciting to see these guys battle it out. Um they are they're both incredibly talented. Like you said, they're both starting quality. Um, I think they're both incredibly great leaders. They've they've already shown that. Um, even Jeff Sims, you know, early early on in his career here. Um, they're football savvy, like they're they're intelligent, well spoken. Um, they they love the game, they're passionate about perfecting their craft. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't I don't think there's a wrong answer. It 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 it's a great point that you made that it will be more about, okay, well, what's going to be the better choice for the team? Um, and, I, and I think that if, like, you know, if something were to happen, if they, if, they, if they name one a starter, he goes down, you know, middle of the season or whatever, um, and you switch to the, the number two guy, uh, I don't think there's going to be such an, a tremendous change in the offense going from one to the other. There's no. going to be some nuances and stuff. You know, you're going to play to his strengths. Um, but overall, I think that they have – similar enough skill sets it's not like you're it's not like you're like okay we're going to be pass first or run first quarterback right right. um they're they're just similar enough that you can you can have a little bit more cohesion moving from one to the other yeah oh absolutely
0: and 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 I I don't know where you sit I don't know if you have someone in like do you think it's going to be Casey or do you think it's going to be Jeff Sims I don't think right now it's possible to to really know Mm-hmm. the advantage Jeff Sims has is he had a spring with this new offense, right. but every video clip that we've seen Nebraska release, Casey's right there on the sidelines, learning headset on, you know, and he's got the experience where he's played enough college ball. He's been a starter for long enough to where, you know, the reps maybe don't matter so much as the cerebral side does. Yeah. And so if, if he's able to heal fully and get back to, to a health where it's safe for him to get out there and play, like he's going to challenge for that starting spot I don't think it's Jeff Sims, you know, after yesterday. I don't think it's Casey's after yesterday. I really do think it's wide open and yes. yeah. rules that kind of no bullshit. If I say it's open, it's open. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, Chubba Purdy's got something to say about it. I think that when Logan Smothers is at full health, some of the stuff that Satterfield likes to run with the, the quarterback run game, he's got an opportunity. And I think that I've been bitching and moaning for years. <laughs> Give Logan his own package because he is an explosive runner. Mm-hmm. I think we might see that this year yeah because you do have such similarities between Casey and uh, and Jeff Sims that it could be dynamic to where Nebraska has a set package for the for the wildcat to bring in a Logan Smothers and run that because he does have the arm strength but he also has the legs to to get shit done and just adding another runner i mean is difficult for, for uh, opposing defenses, and it even exposed Nebraska's defense within the 10-yard the line uh, with Jeff Sims running yeah. the ball in. We saw him wide open to just run that up the gut and make a play, make a move, and get in. Yeah,
1: I'd say Harburg, I think Harburg fits that bill too with with those special packages where yeah. he showed his running ability on his very first play. Um, in When he was in high school, he was throwing the ball for gobs of yards. Right. So, um, yeah, there's... There's definitely a there's a lot to be said a lot to be seen coming up with how it all shakes out Um, There's no reason not to be excited about all of these guys. Yeah Um, And and just following along with how they progress
0: I I think it's an interesting to to just stick on the quarterbacks for for one more second here I think it's an interesting conversation piece that everyone's like who's going to be the guy that leaves Who's going to be the quarterback and and right now With the amount of reps that were fairly even yesterday with the levels of success that certain guys were having you know like there were to me there were like two groups of guys right you had the success that sims and purdy had as far as moving the ball decision making getting the ball where it needed to go and then you had Harburg had a really i think kind of a rough outing Mm -hmm. other than the running um the line for some reason just didn't hold up for Harburg the way it held up for sims and the way it held up for purdy um and then uh torres you know had had a couple of decent showings had a couple of ducks that that flew out of his hand stuff like that so like i feel like there's a couple uh ways this could definitely shake out, but I don't think that anyone is necessarily in a space to where it's like, hey, I'm not going to play and I'm ready to play. I think it's more of like, hey, I can still continue to develop here and be a backup option, be another option to where if I continue to work on my athleticism, know this offense, they could put me somewhere else. Like, I think there's options there for all those guys. Um, I don't want to see anyone leave by any stretch of the imagination because I think they can continue to develop and continue to benefit the team whether that's on a scout team as a backup
1: or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, um, yeah, you know, I don't like to speculate on that kind of no, stuff. Do it. Speculate. A, yeah. Who's going to transfer. <laughs> it's such a, I mean, that's such an incredibly personal decision Sure. for, for anybody because you're not talking about just like playing time. You're talking about like move, like moving across the country, potentially, you know, like changing schools, changing, uh, maybe degrees, uh, getting in with new, new coaches, new everything. Um, and so so it's easy to it's easy to like sit here and be like well this guy's number 5 on the depth chart there's no reason for him to stick around it's like well there might, he might have other That's what I'm saying. options I think on there his are table. reasons to to stick around because yeah. of the way that Satterfield
0: calls his offense based on the quarterback because the history of quarterbacks going down because this is a staff that if they see that you can be an asset like Rollins is a perfect example of that right mm. moving him to a defensive lineman who's making plays in a spring game his first year like I think that if you continue to work hard under this staff they can find a fit for you that is best for you. And, and so, like, all that talk that goes on of, like, well, we know that there's going to be attrition in this room. It's like we don't know that there's going to be attrition in this room. There are athletes in that room. Like, Harburg is a perfect example that, you know, you see him get out in space and move. There's there's, there's opportunity for him, you know, yeah. regardless of where that happens to be. And I hope it develops into a quarterback because that's a great story to have a local kid who, who grows into a, a quarterback at Nebraska. But I also think that this is a kind of staff who is going to do what's best for you. And if they're like, hey, we could see a potential for you to move here and let's see how that blows you up. It it could be a good thing. So I'm with you on that where it's like all this talk of attrition. It's like, let's see how this coaching staff plays this out because these guys are known for developing. And let's see them how they develop. Yeah. Yeah. Where to next? So that's that's a good quarterback chat. I think I know where you want to go next. You want to talk about running backs? I I would love to talk about running backs. Okay, take it away.
1: There's nothing bad to say about our running back group um i know a couple of them put the ball on the ground but that was just you know everybody everybody fumbles so excuses excuses um. <laughs> i would say that's that's that is something yeah, wrong with that room yeah well yeah that's why we're
0: nominated for a uh, nebraska podcast kool-aid award <laughs> <laughs>
1: turn them turn a blind eye to eight turnovers no problem was it only eight uh yeah um, only eight
0: it felt like double digits it felt like i mean maybe maybe, maybe double digit fumbles but we you know some of the balls were recovered were, by the same team
1: there were eight fumbles six lost two interceptions
0: oh okay so there was double digit turnovers double digit like fumble interception ball in the gut, all combined yeah 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 it was cool
1: it was not great cool but anyway the positives cool. are we have was it raining <laughs> did it was it raining
0: and i didn't know it yesterday it must have it was been raining, raining in fumbles Lincoln's. yeah
1: <laughs> Ramirez johnson yeah um Dog. I, I, he's I fucking love that guy um I said it before he's they're gonna use him in a lot of ways outside I think just your standard um running back um but even just as a standard running back he could he can hold his own we've seen him do it for a season um and he he was the guy that came out of nowhere right like I don't think anybody was talking about him really to, to crack into the top three um, a couple of years ago. I'd be lying seriously. if I didn't think
0: after they brought in AJ Allen and Anthony Grant and Irvin being healthy and Emmett Johnson and all these guys coming in, I would, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't something in the back of my mind thinking he's probably going to go find another opportunity because he's athletic enough. He's talented enough to where some other team would be like, yeah, we would love to have you. And for some reason last season, and, and I know there's swirlings of, you know, whatever happened uh, with the last coaching staff, he just wasn't looked at until the Iowa game when yeah, he emerged was, and played great.
1: Yeah. It was yeah, I don't know what what happened there. Um but but he's obviously he he needs to be on the field as much as possible. Yeah. Um but but there but like you said there's there's Grant, um Irvin being healthy. I Irvin's the other guy that I that I really really like. Yeah. Um fuck it, I love them all, but uh but Irvin being healthy. I, I he's he's amazing. I think he's an amazing running back. He he showed off very early on in his career before he's had those knee injuries. Um and so if he can just stay healthy Uh, he's, he's just a tremendous character guy, um, that, that you just can't help but to root for. Yeah. Um, and so you, you want to see him be successful. He's got all the talent in the world, um, to really put it together. And I think he could, he could be very special. Um, and then Anthony Grant, we've seen what he can do. He's a, he's a big bodied, hard hitting guy, but, um, I thought he did a really great job of doing, doing something. that I think he lost a little bit towards the end of the year of just making one cut, hitting it and going North to South. Yeah. Um, not thinking too much, just find your hole and go. Right. Um, I thought we saw a lot of that out of him. And he got. A, I think he had the most carries out of any of the running backs. Um, not a great yards per carry average, but I think he still made a lot of just tremendous cut and go yeah. moves. So
0: so I want to talk kind of progressionally about these running backs and what I saw yesterday with the way that Satterfield called the game for them. Uh, Gabe Burvin is clearly our sledgehammer, right? He very clearly fits that mold of being that big body running back Who is going to start your game off and he's going to be punishing to that defensive line and he's going to be the guy who helps set up the play action game and they called that beautifully formed right they start with the fullback handoff to Bonner which was really nice and symbolic for uh, Frank Solich and if that were in a game and we started off with an eight yard carry I'd be like yeah yeah I feel good I feel real good right now (laughs) I'd take a shot for that right. But then Gabe Irvin comes in and he starts to be that kind of sledgehammer that starts to chip away, chip away, chip away. And even though you might get the ball away to the defense because you're not, you know, you don't get down the field and you don't score, you might turn the ball over, whatever it happens to be, you start to instill in this defense's mind like we're going we're gonna to pound away. Well, then you start to bring in the play-action game, which they hit Borker right over the middle, and it was a beautiful play. The next series, Ramir comes in. So you go from the sledgehammer to the knife to the guy who can cut you. And now they have to respect the pass. And I know that people are listening being like, yeah, this is fucking football, you moron. But you're just seeing it kind of play out in this beautiful way of like, okay, now we're utilizing talent for the right thing. And it just feels more harmonious the way that these guys are being utilized and really finally seen, it feels Mm -hmm. like, for the first time in a long time. How's this for Kool-Aid? I'm shitting on things, you know, from the back. But, But the way that it worked yesterday was so just well orchestrated where Gabe's coming in, then the play action game comes into play. And now there's a little bit more space and you're able to bring in Ramir who is small relative compared to the other running backs. And he's able to just cut up and make some moves and make some great gains and then also catch the ball out of the backfield and make Mm -hmm. shit happen. And then when there's finally that spacing for Grant to come through and do what Grant does, you can see this explosiveness. He's your running back who you're just waiting for that big play to happen. And um, I saw the same thing you mentioned, where he was a little more confident in hitting his gaps. He was making cuts into the secondary. He was making cuts – you know, at the second level trying to get around linebackers instead of trying to get through the line. And I thought the offensive line did a good job when the space was there to really give some nice lanes to all the running backs. So that's what I saw out of the running back room was just this really neat progression of how these guys are going to be used to set up this offense for success in the 2023 season.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Um, And then A.J. Allen and and Mitt Johnson, obviously, um, they were on the other side of the ball there. Um, Those are two guys who have, tons of potential, um, not a lot, not a big showing, but again, like thinking back to a few years ago with Ramir Johnson, who wasn't really involved in that conversation, there's no reason that they can't have an incredible summer, an incredible fall, um, and and give the coaches a reason to put them on the field as much as possible. I got to give credit to AJ Allen. You know, he was the first turnover of
0: the game, mm-hmm. uh, put the ball on the ground right away, and I thought his his best stuff happened obviously after that it, it was almost like he had to make amends for it personally. And he yeah. was personally motivated and he looks great. Once, once that turnover happened, you know, he, it was almost like it gave him confidence. Like, okay, the worst thing that could happen happened. Yeah. And now I can just go do my thing. Yeah. And, and so I really appreciated that. You watch, you go back and rewatch what he did. And and again, after that fumble, it was a new running back coming out of him, uh, making great moves, uh, catching out of the backfield as well, hitting, hitting gaps. And that, uh, that second string, offensive line was was doing some good work they were pushing guys out of the way they were creating running lanes um and there's there's no slouches on that second string defense as well I mean we mentioned Phelan Samford, but there's there's some guys on that uh, there, yeah on there that second string that are that are really going to show out and be difference makers uh alongside the guys who are on the starting quote-unquote
1: defense but, I would say I think there there's guys on that defense who are star- we'll, talk starters, we'll talk about it we'll talk about it later we were going to talk about defense right now but you t- <laughs> <laughs> I was agreeing with you. Um I think I think one of the the benefits of being so thin at offensive line um this this offseason has been the the amount of reps that guys are getting, the rotations, um getting into different positions, learning new things. Uh y- you know, you would like to have an extra like I don't know five scholarship bodies um in in that room, but but you, I think you can see where that's going to pay off in the development of a lot of these guys where um, y- you can see them getting rotated in and, and not seeing a huge drop-off, uh, maybe like you would have in the past. You know
0: what I really like seeing when it comes to that offensive line was when they were going into max protect on on passing downs, uh, there was actual max protection, right? Yeah. Guys weren't getting through. Running backs were throwing blocks. Grant in- that had like a massive block that led to a, a nice play downfield like... Just, just stonewalled a guy. I, I mean, say
1: like, a, a lot of, a few of the. I saw a few of my I know Ramir had another a big block too in pass protection. They were
0: smart pickups, and the wide receivers that we've got mm-hmm. out there with, like Billy Kemp, I guess we'll transition into talking wide receivers though, like Billy Kemp and and Marcus Washington. Like those guys being able to get out in space. We didn't have really any plays where guys took the top off <laughs> the defense, but they were able to find the weaknesses in the zone. And so when you're going into those mass protects, they were they were making the most of the fact that there's only three receivers out there to catch the ball and you don't have a whole lot of places to go with it. So I, I really liked the way that the offensive line held there. And then you saw a little more aggression out of them. You saw them moving forward. You saw them trying to create lanes. You saw them trying to manipulate this defense as opposed to taking what the defense was giving you. Um, and so to see that progression in uh, year two under Rayola, you know, it's like, okay, now we're starting to see what, what Rule saw in, in retaining him. We're starting yeah. to see why guys like to play for him. That uh, We're seeing him take advantage of of what he can teach and what he can bring. And I, and I thought there was definitely a step up uh, for the offensive line and in the, in the running game and in the pass protection.
1: Yeah, I think you'll continue to see that that grow and improve. And, yeah. and And we talked about, you know, fumbles being a cause of all these rotations and all these different people. When you've got different quarterbacks behind you, different running backs behind you, as an offensive line, like you – you know they're all gonna they all have different ideas like of of, yeah. of how they're gonna handle pressure and and um where they're gonna be and so as an offensive lineman you have to be able to adjust to the guys who are behind you and that can be a very difficult thing especially when you're only getting what two series and then the next guy's in and then two series and the other guy's in um and so yeah i think I think their pass protection was um like markedly improved um I think they're in the the run game I think there were some you know sometimes where it wasn't wasn't great, but you did see at least some lanes, and you saw the running backs find them and, and make the most of it. Absolutely, so.
0: I also think some of that that running game being exposed is credit to the defense mm-hmm. as well. We will talk. We'll about talk about the defense, oh, Ben. The Just
1: get, no. hold your fucking horses, <laughs> Jesus. God damn, All we right. haven't even gotten through half the offense yet. So yeah, what are you talking about? Who's next? You want to talk? wide talk? receivers? Wide receivers? Yeah, yeah. Pass catchers. Yeah. Um, wide receivers. Yep. Uh, two, three things. For me, that stood out. Two or three, three things. Okay. Um, Marcus Washington. People, I know Billy, they're people. They're not things. He's he's <laughs> an object who catches the ball for my entertainment. Whoa, no, that's that's, <laughs> that's too far. That's um yes. Marcus Washington came in last year, and he he and Casey Thompson had established a little bit of a rapport. Casey Thompson being out, I wondered how Marcus Washington would fare with all new quarterbacks. Is it? Was he a product of Casey Thompson or a product of his himself? He is clearly himself. I think he, um, he's, he's showing that, um, and will continue to show that moving forward. Whoever the starting quarterback is Marcus Washington is going to have a great season. Yeah. Um, the other thing, Billy Kemp, Mm -hmm. the other person, excuse me, Billy Kemp, um, is exactly as advertised. He's going to be a really great possession receiver. Uh, he's going to, he's going to be a safety net, I think for, for the quarterbacks, uh he's a he's gonna catch everything that comes his way. I think he's gonna be a great asset and he probably will be on special teams as well. Um the third thing that ties into that is there's still major question marks I think for me at wide receiver and in, in in depth there. Sure. Um you know we we didn't see IGC um we'll get Malachi Coleman coming in. Uh I know Xavier Betts got injured there in the game. We didn't see a lot from him. I think part of it with, with yesterday was I don't think they wanted to take a lot of deep shots because they were live, because there were so many blitzes. They wanted to make quick throws, easy, you know, high percentage stuff. Just get guys in a rhythm as much as you can in the limited reps. And so, you know, you're not going to open up your offense entirely, so you won't see those big, you know, deep pass plays. Um, but But there's going to have to be pretty substantial development of depth behind those top end guys yeah i would 100 percent agree with that 100 um
0: really the only names that were called out were the two that you mentioned uh, and then fleeks had a couple of grabs there and mm-hmm. then otherwise we're seeing wide receiver or uh, excuse me we're seeing running backs catching out of the backfield and screen passes and things of that nature there's one wide receiver screen uh, that i saw to fleeks and otherwise it was you know running backs and it was a swing pass and it was those types of things and um we know what happens when you focus on one guy it's a Wandale situation right where you, you try and think that this guy can do it all and they're human he's human mm-hmm. and it's it's difficult to do that and and uh, yeah so I, I'm also excited to see how the wide receivers develop we talked about in our in our last episode that uh, Garrett McGuire is our, he, our our assistant coach that we are most excited to see you know develop and grow and, and we've got a lot of faith in him uh, to develop these guys but when you get bets IGC Malachi Coleman guys who can take the top off which we weren't seeing you kind of just wonder was there a reason for that you know you you speculate that it's because they don't want quarterbacks getting hit being back there in the pocket um the way that mj sherman was hitting quarterbacks i don't know if that's the case (laughs) 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 um he sure had fun we'll talk about it i know we'll get there um but uh but, yeah, I had, I had some similar questions where it's like, do we only have two wide receivers that we're comfortable throwing the ball to? And tight ends weren't very involved either. You had the big pass to Boerkerker. uh, mm-hmm. Gilbert had a couple of targets. Fedoni had one.
1: Some drops, yeah.
0: But it wasn't it wasn't a lot. Um, and so, you know, Rule talks a lot about, hey, we've got guys who can take the top off defense. We want guys who are speed guys who can take the tops off. And we weren't seeing that. And so there's just going to be a lot of speculation of of why. Why weren't we seeing that? I think you bring up a valid point. Um, but yeah, it, it is a question mark moving in. You have to have that, uh, that ability. Otherwise the big Ten's just going to load the box. They're going to make you throw the ball. Yeah. They're going to make you do that. And there's a lot of good secondaries in the big 10 and, and that can just be an area where you're exposed if you're not, you know, if you're not prepared for that, uh, Billy Kemp, though, he's fun. Yeah. He's gonna be a lot of fun. He, uh, so they, they compared him to Cole Beasley and, and I thought, you yeah, know, that's a, that's a fair comparison. He reminds me of Wandale. Uh, and, it, and it seems as though Satterfield knows how to use a guy like that. So I'm excited to see how he develops you know, out of the backfield, maybe catching some swing passes and just getting out in space to work because clearly he can he can shake, he can move, uh, he can miss, make guys miss tackles and stuff like that. But he also does a great job of finding those soft spots uh, the same way that Marcus Washington does. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see how those guys continue to evolve. When we talk about tight ends, you know, Berker had the great catch. Uh, Gilbert was a little
1: little jitters maybe he's he's gotta be adjusting right yeah and I, I think that they're still waiting to to even make sure that he's gonna be eligible yeah and so <clears throat> excuse me so if you know if they're waiting for that I'm, I think they're planning on him being there but I would imagine that that just that question probably limits him a little bit in practices as far as yep. like how much they're willing to really work him in when they they've got other guys that they you know have to plan for is a plan b maybe um and so, so, yeah, and he and he's got expectations on his shoulders, a lot of expectations, a lot yeah. of them mostly coming from me, <laughs> and so uh so yeah, so there was it was um you know, it's tough to see him you know not not make those grabs there yeah. but but again it's it, he's had a, a tumultuous, i feel like sort of transition um and that he's still probably processing through, and so he's he's got enough potential, enough talent, he's in the i think The healthiest environment that he could possibly be in for his situation. So that yeah, I feel I feel okay moving forward that he'll adjust and and get there where he needs to be. Okay, so now that we've had the tough conversation Mm -hmm. about uh Eric, I want
0: to have the good conversation. That dude can run routes. Yeah. He was not covered. I mean, he was open. He got to his spot and was, you know, had the ability to bring the ball in. Um and then he also throws some nasty blocks. Did you see him like dive block Uh -uh. on like an outside pass? He, he, he dove into a block that would have sent me 30 yards downfield. (laughs) I mean, he, (laughs) so even if he's not catching the ball, he is an asset. Yeah. And, and not a decoy kind of like, oh, there's a big guy who can catch the ball and and make it difficult for us to bring him down. He's going to be able to throw blocks and he's going to be able to get open in space and you talk about, you know, like who's going to be our safety valve. He could be that guy who could be that safety valve because he's going to be able to play off the line. He's going to be able to throw a block. He's going to be able to get in space and throw blocks. And even though he's, you know, 6'12", 275 <laughs> pounds, like the guy moves. Yeah. And it's impressive. And so, like, it was frustrating to see drops come his way. Uh, but the amount of effort he continued to give play after play when he was out there on the field tells me that he's in a good spot, tells me that he's in the right spot. And, and that spot is obviously Nebraska. Yeah, it's cool so, to hear. Yeah. It's a fun offense. Got any other uh, things you want to top off the offensive?
1: Uh, I mean, well, with? Uh, we didn't really talk about Bonner. We, yeah. I mean, we mentioned his one carry, but he had he's, more than one carry. Well, we, I, we, that we've mentioned, though. We oh. talked about oh, the okay. one. Um, yeah, he did have, he had several carries. Uh, he had a, a a great game blocking, you know, in that fullback position. He's a very undersized fullback in terms of his weight, yeah. so I don't I don't think that's going to change. I think they want him to be what he is, which is this super versatile tool who can who can be a fullback, who can be a tight end. Um, he's experienced as a receiver, so you know he's got good hands. Um, he there was there was one block that he had on Snodgrass. There um, he just I mean he just fucking got. Up on that dude's chin, like just got him pushed him off the ball uh ramir johnson you know hit that hole and 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 so him him switching positions and doing such a great job uh so soon is exciting and, it, and it's another indication of this staff you know recognizing what they have and adjusting according to the talents that they have
0: absolutely so i gotta say context is everything you call him a versatile tool it's a compliment my wife calls me that. It is, a, <laughs> it is an assault on who I am as a person. You are a versatile tool. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I have similar thoughts on that where it's, it's a matter of uh, give him time. Let him develop. You've got one spring under your belt uh, mm-hmm. in this new position that this offense is utilizing for the first time. And it's like, hey, we could see you as this thing. But then you look at um, what, what Chance did last year, what Brewington did last year, and it doesn't, size doesn't matter. That is attitude. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you yeah, like yeah. throwing guys around, if you like laying a hit on a guy like Snodgrass and putting his ass on the ground, you're going to do just fine. And yeah. that's that kind of position where it's like, just go out there and hit someone. You know, those, that's the true football players who are like, they're not afraid of the contact. And there's a lot right. of guys out here um, on that offense. Jeff Sims had one of those plays. Uh, I think Kemp had one of those plays. I think uh, Grant Irvin, you know, those guys, like if you like to hit someone and you're on offense, you're going to be my favorite player, right? <laughs> like yeah. if you, if you want to put someone to sleep from the offensive side of the ball, um, that's when it gets fun. Yeah. So it's, it's neat to see the fullback back at Nebraska uh, and respect it and, and be a, what's, it looks like it's going to be a key component.
1: Oh, it'll be very, yeah, yeah. very important. And, they, and they've got other guys that they'll, they'll rotate into that spot who will do other, they'll be utilized for other reasons, I think primarily blocking. Yeah. Um, But it's, yeah, it's exciting to have that. And I'll admit like, as far as a fullback goes, when they announced that they were they were gonna have one as a as a somebody who didn't necessarily like wasn't tuned in during the glory days, yeah, um, I was like, okay, like you're gonna bring a fullback, like you know, I guess that could be cool because you know the past, yay, um, but seeing how they're they've kind of uh, evolved, um, the idea of what a fullback is and how you can utilize that, um, has got me energized and excited about you know. About it moving forward. Awesome. So, yeah.
0: Well, Drew, before we move on, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our very special show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. Longtime listeners of the show know Wannabe Walk Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska.
1: The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer through promotion, education, and events. If you're a fan of craft beer like we are, you can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, find local breweries, and join the Nebraska Beer Alliance by visiting Nebraska.beer.
0: Well, we are back. It was a longer break for us than it hopefully was for you, unless you were driving in the car, then you had to get out of the car, and then you get back in the car, and our (laughs) podcast kicks back on. But we are sitting here with a new drink, and and this is one that I'm going to call the Golden Spike. It's a riff on the Gold Rush, which, for those of you who uh, are craft cocktail fans, you know that a Gold Rush is a whiskey sour made with honey instead of simple syrup. So we are drinking the Brickway Rye. It is two ounces of that rye with three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice. Three quarters of an ounce of a honey syrup. We're using a two-to-one honey syrup. Uh, It's local honey as well, uh, topped with lemon spindrift, which is a carbonated water with lemon juice
1: in it as well. And we're calling that the Golden Spike. Yeah, and it's phenomenal. I will put a little asterisk by this. My experience with whiskey sours is uh, Jack Daniels and Squirt. Okay. Heavy on the Jack Daniels also after drinking a lot of Jägermeister. <laughs> so <laughs> um years years and years ago so but this is this is fantastic and we we drank just the the rye alone um and it had a really great like really it was really smooth and then that rye spice kind of came in late so you could you can enjoy it um without like usually you get like that that gnarly bite from yeah. from taking a a shot but um in this drink uh all that bite is taken away there's a nice natural sweetness there's the there's the a little bit of tartness from the lemon um but there's still that nice i i still have that nice spice like sitting on my tongue mm-hmm. a little bit um but just, it's so refreshing
0: yeah this is this is one that to me drinks like a uh an iced tea sweetened iced tea with with lemon i wouldn't go so far as to call it a sweet tea because that tastes like sugar water uh, no offense to anyone who likes sweet tea, but it's actually, sweet actually, sweet actually sweet. tons of offense to anyone who, who's like, I like sweet tea. No, you like water with sugar in it uh, that's colored brown. But uh, this is one that, like, if twisted tea didn't have that overly sweet aftertaste to it uh, or that artificial sweet taste to it, this is this is kind of how that finishes. When, when you get local honey, and this is from All About Bees that I use to make this this honey syrup uh, out of Ralston, Nebraska, uh, you you kind of you, you taste the the vegetative quality in that honey and that's what really brings it to life, and I think it can be off-putting to some people as well because it doesn't taste just like off-the-shelf honey in a bear. Mm-hmm. It, it, it has a little bit more life to it, uh, which is why I like to use this and balance it in cocktails because when you've got a whiskey in there uh, that is aggressive like a rye, you need something to play off of that. You can't just let the rye be the only thing. Otherwise, all you taste is like a sweetened rye, and here that honey plays really well and creates this tea-like quality where it, where it adds this this nice kind of tender balance to the whole thing and then yeah like you said that the little spice a little bit of spice Mm -hmm. goes a long way oh it does yeah so check out Brickway their whiskeys are fantastic their beer is great as well they're they're known for a whole slew of really interesting ones like their pineapple jalapeno I think is their most popular when they have the blackout stout I recommend Mm -hmm. picking that up and sharing that 12 ounce can with a friend (laughs) or two (laughs) or two Um, but that's also a really well balanced beer for as strong as it is uh, yeah, dangerously that's, what, it makes so, it, that's yeah. what
1: makes it so dangerous.
0: Mm. Um, I also have a bottle of their gin at home, a full bottle of their gin as well, which drinks really nice. I've got a couple other bottles of their whiskey to try out. Their sherry oak casks whiskey is one that they are very heavily um, awarded for and people really enjoy to drink. So uh, I didn't share that one with you. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> I kept that one to myself. To no, drink. I'm, not, I'm not complaining. Okay. I'm really not. Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: I'm thankful for what I got to experience. Good. Yeah. Good.
0: Good. Well, now it's time to talk about offense. But since we already did that, let's <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's talk uh, about
0: uh, special teams. Can we talk about can we because I want to save defense for last at least. Do you now? I, well, now you, I do. Yeah. I was okay. going to save offense That's for great. last. But, yeah. you know, the reason I put special teams in the third slot for what to talk about, you know, we had the overall at one. It was going to be defense at two, but offense took two. <laughs> I want to keep special teams. Second to last, because it's like we got to mention them. It's a part of the thing, and what have you, and oh what have gosh, you. They
1: exist. They're part of the game. They ran two fake punts.
0: <laughs> they did. <laughs> they ran two fake punts in the spring
1: game, and yeah. both
0: times Brian Bushini was tackled uh, <laughs> by by Tagaloa. Is that his last name? Tag
1: just no, no uh, Tag-a-lo-a. Tagaloa. Tagaloa, not Tagaloa. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh,
0: bye. So I love that. I love the aggressiveness. I love the fact. That they're like Brian knows how to punt. <laughs> Let's just have other teams in the Big Ten watching this film, going, "Are they gonna fucking fake punt this time? Like, when is Nebraska gonna sneak it
1: in?" Um, and I just love that. Yeah. So, I, well, so okay, so Rule did talk about this. He was asked what what happened there. He was just trying to balance out the reps because of the turnovers, and so he said, "Hey, if they, if you get the look, if they're going to go, you know, max coverage, whatever." Just go, go tuck it, and run, right, yeah, and the and the funny thing is is rule even mentioned, um Bushini is having a really great arm, not utilized, uh what Bushini does not have is a little shake in his legs, no. he, <laughs> that are that are uh Brody is an inc- incredible you know
0: tackler, yeah, he squares up, I will say on the first fake punt ninety six and you'll have to forgive me, I don't know the guys actual name but number 96 completely whiffed on the block that would have sprung him for the first down yeah just completely missed and and that's something where like they're gonna look on film they're gonna be like hey we could clean that up but we would have gotten those four yards so that's that's positive right Mm -hmm. but uh i didn't get to watch matt's uh presser we're talking calling him matt now yeah (laughs) taking your lead on that one that's right uh but yeah man i just loved i loved that we are going to be a team that is kind of aggressive on all fronts and and including special teams it feels good to just be you know the offense the offensive line is playing more aggressively um it it feels like with the fullback you've got this aggressiveness the defense which we'll talk about at some point um (laughs) (laughs) played with aggression and so it's it's this it's this nice like we're going to be the aggressors instead of you know letting the game come to us And, and that that's a good feeling it's like let's try that let's let's give that a go so I'm I'm excited for that, and the special teams kind of encapsulated that rough day for field goal kickers.
1: Not great, yeah. Not, not great weather for it, but you anticipate that yeah. sort of weather throughout the season, yeah. In the venues you'll be uh, kicking in. So yeah.
0: that being said, I couldn't make those field goals that were made. I couldn't make the field goals that were missed. So uh, this is true. That's this it. Is very you true. You know, uh, yeah. I, I'm encouraged by Timmy that he made that 49-yarder look like a chip shot. Snuck it right in. It didn't waver. Stayed right on that side of the, of the goal post. Yeah. Um, I'm going to butcher his name. I know it's
1: Pants something. Uh, I did not write down special teams notes, and I feel like an ass. Oh, wow. No, I, I have it in my phone. It's Panzik uh, I, I think I wrote do it down. You should do him
0: justice. Let, yeah. Uh, Pankrats. Pankrats. I did write it down. I wrote it down in my notes. 38-yarder. Uh, Looks smooth. Yeah. Snuck it in. Uh, both of those field goals that were made kind of snuck in along the, the goalposts, which I appreciate. They clearly had their line. They took it. They made it on that front. Uh, and then had a couple of misses, which, again, I'm happy to see those happen in spring ball and not in the real thing. I think it's going to get cleaned up. There's going to be even more competition come fall from Tristan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Other thoughts on on special teams? Did you like the XFL style kickoff? I like of I like the kickoff. Yeah, I wasn't I didn't
1: I've not watched the XFL. Um I know they have all sorts of uh, different rules and stuff, but I, I did appreciate them doing that, especially for the spring game because then you still get to see um you still see the guys blocking, trying to create lanes, trying to stay in lanes. Um you get a return, you eliminate a lot of the the danger and the hazards yeah. behind all of that and so um so that was good to see and I thought um you know, a few of the returns were pretty good, I think Fleeks Joshua Fleeks has a um a lot of potential back there. Um so that was nice. Uh like you said, yeah, kickers they knew that 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 they needed to bring somebody in and they yeah. and they did. Um I, but I think that you know Bleak Road has enough experience that it, it'll be somewhat of a competition there yeah. between those all all three of those guys. So. Which I think is great. I mean,
0: iron sharpens iron.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you hear him you hear him talking about that a lot. Um, yeah, it's, it's, tasteable.
0: it's neat that we have guys in that special teams room and, um, you know, Bushini and, and Bleak Road kind of leading, leading the charge on that front is kind of the, the elder statesman of that room yeah. saying, yeah. Hey, we, we welcome the competition. It makes us better. It makes the room better. It makes the team better. And that's what we're here for. Um, and then, you know, to see guys like, uh, like Bushini working on his kickoffs and trying to develop himself into a, a NFL caliber kicker, you know, being versatile on that front to do kickoffs and punt. It's great to see uh, just leans into that developmental piece that we really want from this coaching staff because that's how you're going to get better players is they know they can come here they can better their game and, and they have a shot at the next level and for that to go all the way through to special teams means that they're already taking care of it on the offense and defensive side so
1: yeah and I and I would have liked to have seen Bushini get a couple couple more punts in just to see how he handles the elements to see what he can really do because um you know Ed Foley's talked a lot about you know how excited he is about Bushini we've seen Bushini's stuff um i think fans have the right to be excited about him as a punter is as is a, as a true weapon um and so it would have been nice to see him get a couple more kicks i think also though that the rule sacrificing those kicks is a nod to saying hey like we know what you can do you yeah. don't, these two kicks right aren't going to make as much of a difference for you as extra snaps for this other side of the ball will for these guys so um so i think that that should give you a little bit of a confidence in him um if you didn't have enough of it already yeah so awesome cool all
0: right well that's it that's it Mm -hmm. for this episode (laughs) (laughs) now let's talk about some defense
1: you don't want to talk about the t-shirt cannon again I mean, I
0: don't, I don't know why we're
1: avoiding the defense. Let's talk about the defense. I actually loved this defense. I did
0: too. Here's here's why I'm kind of avoiding talk about it, talking uh-huh. about it because I was so thrown off by this defense. I don't know what to talk about.
1: You know, what? it's weird. So yeah, I my my offensive notes were like broken down by um, position and I, and I highlighted some players that I really liked. Um, you know, the, there was definitely a lot of standouts on the defense, but it was more of just an overall impression for me that I yeah. walked away with of, of, um, them living up to this idea of like, Hey, we're going to be chaotic and we're going to, we're going to do some exotic blitzes. We're going to, you're not going to know where we're coming from. Um, you know, we're going to rotate guys along that line. So they're going to line up in different positions. You're going to see a lot of different, um, guys coming off the edge. Um, just an incredible amount of versatil- versatility, a lot of pressure. Um, and the, and the other thing that almost like just, I, it's hard to wrap my mind around is that. Tony White was like, "Hey, I need to simplify this for these yeah. guys." <laughs> and I'm like, "So if this is the this is the simplified spring version, and you're having, um, you know, you're having newcomers to this offense, uh, like Cam Leonard and and Prince will, really say his last name." Um, um, i not try. <laughs> I know I'd practiced um, it. Uman um, Malayan. Um, uh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't even, honestly, I don't write it down. Yeah. But Prince will Prince will, that's his name. We're on a first name basis with Matt. We might as well <laughs> be with Prince will, um, but yeah, just seeing guys and, and AJ Rollins, um, yeah. you know, making the move over to defense ex- excelling in this Um, a guy like Nash hut matcher, hut mocker mocker I, I know that head, one. No, I'm did. in your head, Nash. <laughs> Nash anchoring that line, yeah. um, at center and doing things where he's dropping into coverage too. Yeah, um, it, it's it's exciting that this is is sort of the base level of of what the defense is going to be. Um, it's just I, you, you try not to get too excited because it's it's your defense against your offense. It's spring game. It's a practice. Again, they're just rotating. They're just trying to get like they said, they're trying to get guys on film so that they can evaluate. Um, But there is so much potential for fun football viewing in the future.
0: Yeah. I mean, this, this feels like a high risk, high reward style defense where we are Mm -hmm. going to cause turnovers, create havoc. uh, Just let chaos reign. And if you know me, I love chaos. I love when things (laughs) get chaotic. And, I, you know, I've got guys like MJ Sherman, Garrett Snodgrass, mm-hmm. Maverick Noonan, uh, Hartzog, Prince Will, all of them making great plays. Lenhart, um, you know, for some of these guys to be true freshmen showing out against uh, veteran offensive linemen and having it be uh, not so much, you know, okay, well, if there's a six-man rush and, and one guy gets through on five offensive linemen, it's, yeah, okay, I could see a, a true freshman breaking through on that. But when you have a true freshman who it's a three-man rush against five offensive linemen and we're getting home, that to me is where we're like, okay, we're cooking with gas here. Like we've got something to where we can drop nine and these guys are using their technique and their leverage and that sort of thing to get home on a three-man rush, throw timing off and then you let Malcolm Hardsock go to work. You let him break up. They weren't targeting anyone near Malcolm, and the moment they did, he slapped a ball out of a hand and was like, "I don't think so." And (laughs) then then there was that questionable incomplete pass, fumble, and he laid a dude out. You know, like he's he's still obviously ready to play, but I don't think he's getting a whole lot of attention um, in this upcoming season because he's going to be a a guy who's going to be able to just do his job when this linebacker core and the safeties and uh, defensive line are doing their work in Tony White's defense. I, I had the same thing where it's like this is a unit playing together and they're having fun. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. scary. Like when a defense is having a great time, I feel bad for your offense. Yeah.
1: No. Yeah. And you, and you, you look at these and listen to these guys after the game and their in their press conference. And it is, it's fun. Like yeah. they're just having fun going out there and just hitting guys, um, getting after the ball. They swarmed the ball like crazy in this game. They're tackling, I thought was really good. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just great. And, and keeping in mind, like, a guy like Malcolm, who's whose position is uncertain right now, where, um, you know, he's he's rotating between corner and safety. Um, I think he's got a really strong case as the corner opposite of Quentin. Um And I don't think they, I, they've got so many options back there in that. Like, they're returning so many starters from last year. They've got tons of new guys coming in. Um, I feel like the back end of the defense, again, it's going to be another – another year where that's a strength the question was was right up front was with the edge rushers um you don't you don't want to don't drink the kool-aid um but yeah there's so much potential here um that you got to see played out from young guys from newcomers new to the position type guys that it it, yeah I, i felt like you know when I watched the game the first time, I, I focused solely on the offense. I was just watching the plays happen for the offense. When I watched it the second time, I was watching solely for the defense. And that second time, I was like a kid in a candy store. Like my eyes were so undisciplined because I was just looking everywhere on that defense. Um, Which should tell just, you something too. Is as how, like you just can't track that
0: defense. Yeah,
1: they're, yeah, yeah. They're they're moving, they're crossing on their blitzes. Um, you know, they're they're showing blitz up front and then dropping back into coverage. Um, you know, you, you see nine guys in the box um, and only three of them come to rush. And so it's it it really truly was chaotic. And, and I wasn't expecting that because, again, Tony White was talking about simplifying his defense. And then also it's a spring game. And so we've heard in the past like, oh, we don't want to put too much on film because we don't want people to know what we're going to be doing. Um, I don't feel like they the defense was holding back a ton. I don't think Tony White was holding back a ton. I don't think he's worried about putting stuff on film because there's so much, so many variables um that that you could put almost everything that Tony White wants to do on film and it would it would be so overwhelming um that it it just it would nullify uh, you know that that point. So I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see um To see what they do against opposing offenses. Yeah. So I'm with you.
0: I'm with, I mean, it was, it was one of those things where I don't, I don't know enough about the X's and O's to know what's going on. I'm sure, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I can agree. I don't, I don't operate at that level where it's like, man, there is a mad scientist at work here. Yeah. And, and what he's doing is just, it's fun. Mm -hmm. And, and that's a thing where like Nebraska's defenses, when they made their runs in the 90s, they were fun because they yeah. were violent. They were the aggressors. And I, I, this isn't me saying like, oh, this is a defense. This is a 1995 defense. But this is, this is something where it's like, hey, I can see where we can build. And when guys are in this system for a few years, if this is the simplified version, what does this look like moving forward? And, you know, uh, Tony White had a couple of seasons under his belt at Syracuse. And I don't think Syracuse gets anywhere near the caliber of players that Nebraska gets and doesn't see anywhere near the caliber of competition that Nebraska sees in the big 10. And, and so I just think the way this is going to continue to evolve and grow. Uh, if you're, if you're creating, creating chaos and you're creating turnovers and you're getting the ball back into your offense's hands, like this is how you win games in the big 10. You know, I don't, I don't want to compare it to what schools like Iowa do, uh, what Iowa does. I couldn't even say don't it. not compare
1: us to Iowa. I'm not comparing us to Iowa,
0: but I'm saying that there's success in the big 10 in certain teams that can create those turnovers. Yeah. And then the offense doesn't matter to those teams as much. Whereas here you see the offense <laughs> matter. I didn't say it. I wasn't comparing it to, to <laughs> Iowa. What I'm saying is we've, been, we've, we've heard the talking point for a while now that we're going to be a turnover-heavy team. We're going to create turnovers. Mm-hmm. And what, when, when we're a turnover-heavy team, Maybe it was misinterpreted. <laughs> this looks like the kind of defense that is going to get in the back, disrupt the quarterback, and try and create turnovers. Going back to the turnover conversation we had at the start of the episode, yeah, there were a lot of those that was that was rust, that was trying to just get the play through, and maybe you're not focused on that. But there are a couple other ones where guys were making the point of getting the ball out of the hand, and we didn't always see that kind of effort. We didn't always see... The, the second chance effort, you know, the Omar Brown got leveled uh, by Irvin, got a stiff arm straight to the f- ground. I mean, was just pushed down. The next time that exact same play happened to him, he made the tackle. Like, mm-hmm. we, we've got guys who are, who are tough, who are, who are here to play. We've got guys who are so excited to just be having fun out there on the field, and we've got the coaches that are, that are encouraging that. Like, it just feels like a great send-off to the spring camp. Whether it translates to the fall, we don't know. There's no way of predicting that. But, like, right now, it's a good feeling that we're like, that defense was fun to watch. Say everything else you want to say, that defense was fun on
1: Saturday. It was, yeah. And, and yeah, it's like, it's like when you, like, I don't know how to write an orchestra. or I don't, how to write, I don't, I don't know how to write a symphony and I don't know how to play an instrument. But if I go and see a symphony, like, I can tell what a great and entertaining uh, symphony is, right? Like, yeah it's the same thing like you see it when you see it in motion like you just, you just it just feels good it, it's entertaining it's good to the eye um even if you don't sense it all or any of the nuance yeah there's there's i really think there is something there and i think just the fact again that it's not all of the the proving commodities that were showing out like the guys that we know are good had i think quiet days i think our secondary had a pretty quiet yeah. overall day um,
0: and that might have been by design. They may not have, you know, had well, the you, workload from the offensive you, side of the ball. Yeah, yeah. But we talked still, about that. When the opportunity was there, they showed up.
1: They were there. Yeah, they they were reliable. They made their plays when they were called upon. Um, but I think that it's, I, th- I think it's just, I think what what um, Tony White's doing is something that's he's calling something that's so intuitive to what um, football players and and defenders love to do, which is to just attack the ball. Something that's not super cerebral, even though there is that aspect to it. Um, I think at its core, it's 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 just like an, it's you call on your natural instincts to just you show up, you do your job, you get to the ball, and when everybody is on the same page, it just works in a way that's just f- yeah, fun to watch. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about one last thing that kind of plays into a lot of what we've talked about, and that's the last play of the game. Um, it was it, the Purdy interception. Um, he threw it and, and Gage Stanger, who was another guy who who had a, a few plays. Go Patriots! He's a yeah former Millard South alumni.
0: Um, Great. Now people know where we went to high school.
1: Uh, yeah, whatever. And there's nothing. There's no shame in that. Okay. Okay. Um, they so so first of all, okay. So rule asked the offense if they wanted to take a knee. It's twenty-one-seven. They're they're down fourteen. Right. Two-minute drill. They said, said, absolutely not. Like, we're going to go for it, right? Had a little less than 50 yards to work with. Uh, Chubba Purdy goes out there. He leads him down into the red zone. Ends up throwing a pick on the last play to Stanger. It's 21-7 to in the spring game. Stanger picks off a fucking ball and returns it. Like, (laughs) he doesn't pick it off and, like, slide or take a knee. He went for it. He was going to try to score a fucking touchdown. Yeah. And not only that, but the guy that made the tackle was Chuba Purdy. Yes, sir. Chubba Purdy was like, fuck that. I am not allowing this to go back the other direction. And those two dudes collided because Stanger laid down a shoulder. The 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 idea that like on the very last play of your spring game, you can you can have a quarterback throw an interception, a guy, pick it off and try to return it, and then lay his shoulder into that quarterback who is Making like a full-on tackle, um, they're here to play football. Yeah, like they weren't kidding when they were like, "Hey, we're f- we're physical in practice." Like every single play, every single thing that they do matters. Um, even though from the outside it might look like it should be meaningless. Yeah, and I think that's such an important mentality. Like that they are that they're living out. You know, they're preaching it, but they're performing it also. Um, and so that, I just wanted to say that was one thing that I absolutely had to mention. Um, just as a, as a, again, they, they, they they practice what they preach. And so I I thought that was important. The last play should have been a throwaway play and it just wasn't, it was full of meaning.
0: So that's great. I wish I would have said what my last thing was to talk about because that was way better than what I was going to say, but.
1: No, that's fine. Did yeah. you that's right. Because you wanted to talk about the defense first, and then I threw a little curveball there. So maybe now we can. Oh, did you? I don't. I didn't that? realize that we did changed you? up the episode <laughs> okay. like that. I made. I had no. I paid no
0: attention to that and made no comment. Yeah. No, I. I mean, I. I love. I love that attitude. That that's. That that's what this stuff is about, right? Like that's that's what we teach kids when they're little is like go give your full effort. Whatever 100% looks like for you today, go give that. If that means that it's 80% of your normal, great. If that means it's the full 100, you can give that today, go give that. But this team understands that every single play is, is what adds up to the whole, right? Every single play is what leads to winning or losing. So these guys get that. And I think that this coaching staff preaches that. And Matt Rule talks about this all the time, that like every little thing that you do matters. You win games on Monday. You don't win them on Saturday. Um, but you have to execute. And, and this is one of those situations where it's like, yeah, right now it's 21-7, to 7, the game's over with, but what happens when it's 21-14 and there's two minutes left and Gage intercepts the ball and he moves the ball downfield, and then there's the opportunity now that's been set up. Like, those efforts matter. And so the clock is irrelevant when it comes to making a play and putting in effort. So I just love that these that these talking points – are being reiterated, and that goes back to the fumble conversation. Everything comes back to that—the turnover, the the ball security issue—is like if Matt rules talking about it to us, he's already beat it to death with the team. So if he said we focused on this, they focused on it, and and they're going to focus on it more. So I, I mean, I love that. I love that kind of that kind of effort. Like that's that's what you want, right? That's why you want hometown kids to to play at Nebraska because that's what playing at Nebraska means. It's like you're going to give the full effort you're going to lay down the boom, you're going to give it your all, and, like, we can go home proud of the effort put forth, regardless of the outcome. It just happens to be that when you give those efforts, you tend to win, and that's, that's where, I mean, I think that's why Nebraskans are so endeared to this football team, um, because when you play football well, and you play it right, and you give it your all, it leads to winning, but it also leads to you just being like, I can be proud of that fucking effort. Yeah. It's the same way that, that, a lot of our people make a living in this state is hard work doing that extra bit of effort, you know, farming, ranching. That's not easy. The manufacturing that goes on here is not easy. You know, all that sort of stuff. Like this is a, this is a blue collar state and it's no wonder that football means so much to the people out here. because everyone works so fucking hard. Yeah. If
1: we want to make whiskey, we got to write our own damn laws. Damn right. Know? Damn right.
0: <laughs> so the last thing I wanted to talk about when it comes to the defense is the two point conversion. Um, and, and the reason I want to talk about that is I was really frustrated with the way that the Big Ten filmed that because they went to show the replay and all we saw was Kemp standing in the end zone. And Searle uh, uh, said, I wonder how he got so open on the broadcast. And so I was trying to find, like, the view of how did he get open. Well, just the normal play shows it. Yeah. Um, the wide receivers were stacked. Kemp shook. And just sat, basically. He did an out route, and he sat in the end zone, and he was wide open because the two defenders were, they they both broke the same direction and just left Kemp wide open. The reason I want to talk about this is as soon as that ball was caught, those two defenders were talking to each other, and they were working it out. They're like, here's what we did. And they were coaching each other. There wasn't yelling. There were hands, and it was like crossing hands. Like, this is what's supposed to happen in that situation. And again, this comes back to when your team is player-led, those are the best teams. These guys are out there coaching each other. We're not getting mad. It's a practice, you know. Yeah, it's a spring right. game. It's in front of a bunch of people, but this is also a practice. And so it was just nice to see that kind of coaching in action, where the defense wasn't, you know, doing the thing where it's a big exaggerated like "What the fuck did you just do?" throwing their hands up something like that. It was like, "Here's what needs to happen next time." Yeah, we don't. We aren't going to let that happen. So that that was what I wanted to talk about. Much less exciting than.
1: No, that's a good. That's a good point because that, that that's something that um. That they that they've talked about is like this is the the next big step and almost even like the final step is to go from coach led to player led and once you get to that point, you know there's they they talk like there's this like big paradigm shift like it's it's, it's cha- it changes your team it changes everything and it turns you into that winning culture and and you hear that from the players. Um, you heard it from the coaches first right like they're like hey here's what we want to implement and now as you listen to the players um, you know talking post-game and in post-practice um, that that message has permeated um, and if there's one thing that Rule is great at as far as his his leadership goes it's is getting his messages into people and then getting them to live out those messages and so yeah you you hear him talking about it but then if you see it in practice you see it in in game situations i mean that that indicates that that these players are soaking this up and they're um regurgitating it in a good way right like offensive linemen throwing up uh reference there (laughs) how dare (laughs) you they're throwing up what they've learned (laughs) you know like um so that no i think that's that's a, that's a great thing to continue to look for is, is, um, is these guys leading the team, teaching each other, coaching each other, um, you know, loving each other in that situation when, hey, we made mistakes, and we can sit here and, and lay blame on each other or point the finger, or we can, we can coach each other on how to not let that happen again. Yeah. And that's a, that's a hard thing to do as a, as a person. I think we've all been in those situations where like, I'd, I'd rather like shy away from the responsibility and lay it on somebody else um, in, or I can, I can step up and just own it own the mistake and work with the people I have to work with to make sure that we we're better moving forward. So, um, yeah, no, I think that's not a terrible way to, to end it. Put a little cap on it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I thought it was a, a great spring game in the sense that there's a lot to be excited about. And I think there's mm-hmm. still stuff to be worried about. And as a fan, it's kind of nice to have both. Yeah. You know, it's tough. You see the offense succeeding and you're like, what about the defense? You see the defense succeeding and you're like about the offense and and so it's it's enough to keep me engaged and excited and, and hearing about the goings on and then you know it's just nice to have a little touch of football uh, in april
1: i think that was yeah that was one of the biggest takeaways it was just you we gotta watch a football game
0: an april that felt like a november
1: <laughs> it snowed for god it really did god it man. really did yeah
0: okay so now let's talk about the second half of our podcast which is shitting on colorado <laughs> <laughs> did you see anything from their <laughs> spring game do you I, see any of the touchdowns of guys that were un, undefended? I saw, yeah,
1: I saw that they were trying to hype somebody up with an undefended touchdown. Yeah. Um, I did not watch any of it. Oh, I didn't either. I tuned into the I tuned into the Wisconsin. Oh, you and about for four other about people? A minute, yeah, <laughs> for about a minute. Um, I saw their, I I, I assume their, whoever their starting quarterback is going to be, it was, it was their first quarterback in. Yeah. Uh, throwing an interception, I laughed and I turned it off because that was all I needed to see. <laughs> It was fantastic. Well, they're gonna spread the ball out and like the slinger and it throws an interception. It's like maybe. He'll no, he'll they're gonna hand to the running. ball off to Braylon I, Allen. Yeah, and, yeah they're and, gonna yeah. yeah. Oh man. But I you know, I'm um Do you tune into any of Minnesota's indoor practice? I the end of it, right before yeah, once oh, I okay. I put on a Nebraska one a that was,
0: that was fun to watch that they only had like one camera angle yeah. that could fit in there and it was <laughs> couldn't even see anything. I and, think
1: they what did did they decide it was too cold because it was forty degrees in in Minnesota? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was it? It's too chilly out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's fun to rag on other teams. Yeah. I, yeah spring, spring ball is just
0: weird <laughs> in, in what it can be and like what teams show to, you know, choose to show and, and stuff yeah. like that. And ESPN was doing a very good job of hyping up Colorado and uh, the Big Ten is just trying to make a weekend out of it, a Saturday out of it of like, hey, we're going to do Minnesota and then we're going to do Nebraska and then you're going to have Wisconsin. And yeah, a
1: little Midwest flavor. Yeah, yeah, I will. I will say like not Dion is a draw. Right. Oh, like, yeah. Like he absolutely has had a major impact on that program in terms of generating interest, not just um, not just like the national like, hey, we're, we want to see. And I and not just from like rival fan base, but like I think like Colorado fans are genuinely intrigued and yeah. uh, and tuned in. And I think that's important for any program. Like that's absolutely. the thing that's kept Nebraska alive for this long, because no, I don't think anybody else can go through what Nebraska has gone through um, and, and still be where they are without that fan support that like true unconditional love um and so I don't know for for all of the for all the shit that you can give Colorado and, and Deion Sanders and his approach they, he's at least doing something that's affecting change and so do I want them to be successful no because it's Colorado And I think it'd be funny to see him fall flat on their face um I'm gonna tune in because I'm I, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Just, oh yeah. I want to I want to know if it works because it might it might
0: work. It might, and that's what I'm I'm most scared of. <laughs> Is it just might? It yeah. might work. It might change the landscape yeah, of, it, of college football. It could. And any time that that gets challenged, it's scary, man. Like mm-hmm. because it's like okay, we got to pivot what we're doing. We think we're doing everything the way that we should be doing it. Finally, like we feel good about this. Yeah. And it's like, or are we? Yeah. So it's it's gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to this season. Uh, as a whole, there's a lot of great storylines, a lot of new coaches, tons, tons especially the stuff, Big yeah. Ten, a lot of mm-hmm. question marks. Um, there's a lot at stake for a lot of uh, legacy programs, like in Iowa. You know what's what's going to happen there with 25 points a game. Um, <laughs> you know, if <laughs> that's it's generous, well, that's that's what Brian Ferentz is. You know, oh, that's got, his contract, yeah, yeah, 25 a game. And did you hear his presser where he was asked, you know, if it's 24 yes. to 10, what would you do? And he's like, if I'm up 24 to 10 on Wisconsin, I'm pretty happy. It's like, Way to skirt the answer, Brian.
1: He there was another thing he said. It was, it was something like, "Hey, what would you say to? Do you have a message for the for people? I, I don't have a message. I don't have
0: a message. Well, well we're not <laughs> asking what you would say to your <laughs> offense. We're asking what would you say to your
1: <laughs> to your fan base, man. Um, uh, uh,
0: yeah, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, spring is in the books.
1: Yeah, they're yeah. moving into summer conditioning now. Yeah. Um, and then and what, then fall practice. What are you so?
0: gonna do for your summer conditioning?
1: <laughs> I mean, I shampoo and condition on a regular basis. At a boy, you know,
0: I use a two-in-one. You
1: yeah. know, yeah, yeah. Nice. I don't have the time. I got kids. <laughs> I got other stuff to do. I got kids too, but I ignore them for that thirty <laughs> seconds that I'm conditioning. Oh uh,
0: man, this podcast took a turn.
1: It did when I veered off of the second sentence that I was supposed to say. Well, how
0: about this? That does it for this episode of Wannabe Walk-Ons. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the drop on all of our bonus episodes arriving at random Tuesdays during the off-season at 11 a.m.
1: Make sure to join us regularly starting in July for the 2023 Husker episode. (laughs) (laughs) Goddamn. Make sure to join us. (laughs) You want to start over? Nope. (laughs) All right. Very fitting for this. Make sure to join us regularly starting in July for the 2023 Husker football season. We want to thank all our listeners, both new and long time, for tuning in. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen and who's better at listening than I am, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Remember to do your
0: part. Drink local beer or whiskey whenever, wherever you are. See, there we go. I messed up too. <laughs> Thanks. There you go. Do
1: that for me. Throw I me sure button. did.
0: If you have any breweries or distilleries you'd like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to tell us where to drink next.
1: Thanks for listening,
0: and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red. Wannabe walk-ons! Sports Network Production.